Well, this is different. I'm down low with you. I like it. I'm going to be higher than I ever was before, but I like that today I'm low with you. And I, as I say that, I think that's actually prophetic. There's something that God wants to say today. There's, right, in the kingdom of God, it's the least that shall be the greatest. It's the last who shall become first. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. There's things that God wants to, to raise the platform in your life, but it comes not through striving, not through you promoting yourself. It comes from actually humbling yourself. It actually, to go higher, you go lower. And I think that's, that's part of what God wants to say this morning. There's, I, we just came back, some leaders came back from a, a conference, and man, God, God was moving in powerful ways. And during worship, you could see that God is moving powerfully. You could see over the last several months, God has been doing things that is powerful. And I love that. And I, and, and I do have a verse. Maybe I'll open up with that one. In, in Revelations chapter 12, I have it, I think, up there as a slide. But it's, it's quoted often, right? It's talking about the church, and it says, they overcame the enemy, right? Do you guys remember? By the blood of the Lamb and... The word of their testimony, and that's where I normally stop it, but the verse keeps going. What does it say after that verse? Anyone else? Sunday school trivia? And they did not love their life until the, unto death. I have it. I got to find it. I think I got it. I thought I put it up there. Slide. Maybe not. I'm putting a lot of pressure on Randy this morning. Let's see. All right, good. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Hmm. Can I say it this way? You overcome by believing in the blood of Jesus. As we just took communion, you overcome in believing the truth that you are free, that you are forgiven that you belong to Jesus. He bought you with a price. You overcome the enemy. The enemy comes, I don't know how else to say this, often to accuse you, to slow you down, to trip you up, to, to not have you be who you're supposed to be. And you overcome by believing in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a finished work. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But there's something that you overcome by just simply believing in the blood of Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross, that his blood was shed. I am forgiven. I overcome the enemy by my belief in the blood of Jesus. But then it goes the next step. It says, all right, but you also overcome. Sometimes believe, can I, ooh, I did this way. Sometimes believing is not enough. Otherwise, scripture would just say that. You, they overcame by believing in the blood of Jesus. That's how they overcome. And I get it, believing is core and central to our Christian faith, right? If anyone believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. So even in salvation, believing isn't enough. There's something about confession. And that's what it says. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There is something that you overcome, the enemy, by what you declare, what you confess, what comes out of your mouth. I've preached this several times, right? The word of God is a double-edged sword. And in Greek, it could be translated a double-mouthed sword. Meaning, God's word is all right here. And it's got a lot of power to overcome the enemy. 
But it actually doesn't overcome the enemy until I say in my mouth. I make it a double-edged sword with my mouth. I overcome the enemy by taking God's word, the sword, and putting it in my mouth and having it come out of my mouth. That's how I overcome the enemy. So believing, yes, but confessing or declaring the word of their testimony. And I think it is declaring the word of God, but I think it also is my own personal testimony. This is what God, I'm making it real. I, I, there are times I've overcome the enemy by quoting testimonies of those that have gone before us. But there's times I've overcome the enemy by reminding myself of what God's already done in my life. God, you did this before, you're gonna do it again. The enemy's telling me this is a hopeless situation, but I remind myself, you actually already did this for me in the past and you're gonna do it again. So I declare, I trust in you. What you did, you'll do again. It's a phrase that I feel like I grew up not hearing a lot, and over the last couple of years, I hear it repeated all the time. And I think because the church is grabbing a hold of it more and more. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy, meaning he's telling the future, but he's also forth-telling He's bringing something into existence. So he's not just saying, this is what's going to happen no matter what. He's saying, I can cause this to happen again. And so the testimony of Jesus is this spirit of prophecy. It means what he did, he will do again. What he did for Moses, he'll do for me. There was a Red Sea and the enemy was coming and he was completely trapped. There was no way Moses could get out of that situation. But God, God parted, changed, did it. Never happened before, an entire Sea splits open and there's dry ground to walk on. God, my situation seems hopeless. I'm completely trapped. There's nothing that can change. Oh, but this testimony of Jesus is prophetic. What you did for Moses, I can bring into my life. And I say that what you did for Moses, you're going to do for me. Pick, I just pick Moses. You pick any story in the Bible. It's the testimony of Jesus. This whole thing is about Jesus. Every story in the Bible is about Jesus. So every testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. I can bring it into my life and I can overcome the enemy, not just by the blood of Jesus, believing in it, but declaring the testimony of Jesus. But I think what God wants to highlight this morning is that third thing, because I've, I've quoted that all the time. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But the rest of the verse does say that they did not love their life unto death. We overcome by believing, we overcome by declaring, and we overcome by replicating the love of Jesus. I say replicating, I mean manifesting the love of Jesus, doing what Jesus did and does. There was a, a phrase that um, a pastor said at the conference he just went to, and I agree, he just said, I submit this to you, because I don't know if you agree with me or not. He says, demons... You can cast out. Principalities, you can't really cast out. You have to push them out. So that's what I'm saying. We can overcome the enemy by believing in Jesus. That is a huge key. I believe that I am forgiven, and now that condemnation, I overcome condemnation by just believing in the blood of Jesus. That's great. That's my, that's my salvation. But now I'm saved. Now I need to work, I need to move, and I need to grow in my walk with Christ. I need to take God's word and put it in my mouth 
and declare things. I overcome by declaring things. So I'm already saved, but now I need to grow and mature. Now I'm, I'm doing something beyond just my salvation. I'm declaring the word of God, his promises. I'm overcoming the enemy in greater ways by de- the word of my testimony. I think that third one is so important. There are principalities that I can't believe and declare and make them move. I have to replicate the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not love his life unto death. He gave his life as a ransom. There's no greater love than he who lays down his life for his brother. There are things that the enemy is doing in this world that we as the church cannot believe and have enough faith for and declare for. We have to replicate the love of Jesus Christ. We have to go and push the lies, the hate, the whatever it is, right? I love Martin Luther King, right, Jr. What did he say? Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I I don't want to go too down a, a rabbit trail, but I'll just say this even. Even within our own nation, there are politicians, there are people that I believe are being heavily influenced by the demonic. But my job is not to believe and declare. My job is to love. They're in places where I can't just believe and declare things. I have, to, I have to replicate the love of Jesus Christ to push out those principalities. They're not low-level demons causing havoc in our political system. Those are principalities. So the church of Jesus Christ, yes, needs to have a voice. Yes, needs to declare the word of God. Yes, needs to do those things. But there's also, it's mixed in there. What are we loving? How are we loving? Are we loving like Jesus? Not an easy word to say, but I don't want to go down that rabbit I'm just trying to give you an example of a principality. It's going to come through the church loving in a way that's radical, like Jesus, in a way that doesn't make sense. Hmm. I think... One of the things the Lord is tying in this morning, there is a desire in my heart to see the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be endued with power from on high, right? I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in the church. But as 1 Corinthians 13 says, you can have the gifts of the Spirit and operating the gifts of the Spirit, but without love, it actually accomplishes nothing. It produces nothing. I can have all the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and all the power of my testimony, but without the loving my life not unto death, I'm missing a key element. It's it's the two being married together. It's not that I just become a loving, gracious, kind church and I just, I love people so well that I, I compromise I'm not talking about a compromising church. I have no desire to compromise. Speak the truth in love. I don't want to water down truth at all. I don't want to become such a loving church that we don't ever speak the truth. But I don't want to become a church that just rams the truth down people's throats that there's no love in it. There's got to be both. Hmm.
Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Can I confess my sins to my brothers that there might be healing, there might be life? The honest truth is, I love Osborne Neighborhood Church. I love all y'all. I have because I grew up in this church. I have, it's in, in my DNA. I grew up, I've been here for 30 years, more than. So I have this great affection for Osborne Neighborhood Church. But I'm confessing, I'm making myself vulnerable. I'm, I, I want intimacy with, with you. I love hearing the pastor, he says, intimacy is into me you see. There's been, even though there is genuine love and affection for Osmond Church, I'm being honest with you this morning. There's been an element of not genuine love, of let love be without hypocrisy. Meaning when I became the pastor 10 plus years ago, I stepped into a role where I knew I had to do things because that's what pastors do. So there's things I have done because I'm supposed to do them. Not because I loved doing them. Does that, I don't know if that's making sense. I, I've been a babysitter before. When I was a teenager, I had to babysit some kids and I, I'll put it this way. I worked in the nursery here at Osborne. I, I volunteered, I've served in I don't know how many different capacities, but I, I have Wiped baby's bottoms in that nursery right there. Not enjoyable to have an explosive, I call it explosive diaper, where it's not just like a nice little clean thing, one little wipe. It's like, oh, wow, it leaked out everywhere, all over the baby. Like, there was times I did that where I changed the baby's diaper because that's what I had to do. I'm the worker in the nursery. There's a baby that has a dirty diaper, so that's my job. That's my responsibility. I got to clean it up. So I did what I was supposed to do because that's what I'm supposed to do. But it's different when one of my own children, when they were infants, gets gross, but just the analogy, go with me, had explosive diaper and they were in pain because it didn't feel good to have your stomach upset and then to have that explode and be all over your body and they're crying I wasn't just cleaning the diaper because that's what I'm supposed to do. It was the father heart of love, my poor child. That smell and that stuff in my hands, I could care less about all that because I love that child unto my dad. I, I would do anything for that child. So can I confess with you this morning, there's things I've done as the father of this church where I know that's what the pastor's supposed to do. It's a mess. I gotta clean it up. It's because that's my job. But God, I know it's in my heart. I want God to change my heart that it's not just what I have to do. It becomes genuine love. That there's a mess and I rush towards the mess because I'm so in love with my child. I'm so in love with whatever it takes. I will serve, I will go low, I will do whatever it takes to, make, to comfort that child. 
Is that making sense in any way? I was being vulnerable with you, but I think the Lord wants to expose not just me this morning. There's some of you that you love people that are in your life, whether they're family members, coworkers, whatever it is. I don't know. The Holy, that's between you and the Holy Spirit who they are. And you do the right thing because it's what you're supposed to do. But it's amazing. It says in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, right? It lists all those. The very first one is what? Love. God wants to produce a supernatural kind of love in your life. Where it's not you trying harder. It's not you putting forth all the effort and striving. It actually comes supernaturally into you. That you actually are amazed. I just said that? I can't believe I was so loving and kind to that person where I wasn't before. I, I don't know. You don't have to raise your hands on this one. But there's got to be someone else in this room besides me where you have a testimony of that, where you, something came out of your mouth or you did something, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? If that, that same thing would have happened a year ago, that is not what came out of my mouth. And you are genuinely shocked and surprised at yourself. I want more of that in my life. I have testimonies of that. I want it increasingly in my life. That I'm just shocked. That was Holy Spirit like crazy. That was not Ryan. That was Holy Spirit. Turn with me really quick to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, let's jump to verse 7. We'll see how far we get. 1 John 4, 7 says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. There's a famous line right there. God is love. But this next verse, verse 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. I'm gonna take a quick break on verse nine. It says, in this, the love of God was manifested. You can love someone in your heart, but with no manifestation, no expression, no verb behind it, no action behind it, it's pointless. Like 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it's kind of the opposite of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 says, you can do all these works, but without love, it means nothing. And the flip side is true. You can have all this love and affection in your heart, but without works, without actually doing something, it means nothing. So I confess that there has been a measure of hypo hypocritical love for us. But the radical truth is, I overwhelmingly love you. I love the church. I'm confessing a small measure. The greatest measure in my heart is I really do love you. But it's not enough for me just to say that and for it to be genuine in my heart. There has to be a manifestation of it. There has to be an expression of it. Right? You've heard it before. 
the, the husband told his wife, or the wife told the husband, why don't you ever tell me you love me? He says, well, I said on our wedding day, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Like, it doesn't work, right? It needs to be said often. A wife needs to hear it often from her husband. I love you. Hearing those words matters. The words have a lot of power, but is just words enough? That's not enough either. There has to be acts of love behind it. So I'm telling you, I have a lot of love in this heart for you. But unless I do something, unless it's being manifested, unless there's something that you can point to, something I did, something I said, then it means nothing. So I'm picking on myself in hopes the Holy Spirit pricks your heart too. You can have love. You can say you love people in this room. But without doing something, it doesn't mean much. Hmm. Let's keep reading. See what else we can get, get to. So that was verse 9, verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now there's a lot in there, but I'm just going to go off of one thought. I could hang on that for the next half hour on that one verse, but... I like that it says, in this is love, not that we love God, meaning he loved us first. I can only love because he loved me first. Jesus says, it's easy to love your friend. The world does that. But I call you my sons and daughters. I call you to live the way I live, that I love first. regardless of how they respond. I will keep loving, regardless of how they respond. The Holy Spirit is saying this morning, there's some people in your life that you need to love first. Well, if they're nice to me, I'll be nice to them. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you love first. You love first. You love first. You do the acts of Kindness. You do the acts of love first. Hmm. Yeah, let's just keep going. So that's verse 11. Keep going. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Ah, so good. I, I love, to me, it's just so, I remember the first time I read this and saw it. This is like, I don't know, probably 25 years ago. But it, like, it was like so obvious to me. I'm like, how did I ever see that before? No one has ever seen God at any time. But they see the love of God in my life, and therefore they see God. I can help people see God. They can't physically see God with their own eyes, but they can see the love of God coming in me and out of me and onto them, and they can actually see God. I, again, it sounds blasphemous. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I can't honestly say that if you see Ryan, you see the Father. But in some measures, I want to grow into that more and more and more. That if you see Ryan, you see the Father heart of God. You see the love of God, and so you are able actually to see God. No one has ever seen God at any time, but actually if you look at Ryan, you can see a lot of God. Hmm. 
verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Hmm. That's kind of what I was saying earlier. If you are abiding in Christ and his love is abiding in you, it's talking about the spirit, the fruit of the spirit comes out of you. When we are shocked by the fruit of love in our lives, it's a result, a direct result of our abiding in Jesus. When the fruit of shocking love is lacking in your life, it's a direct result from the lack of abiding in Jesus. Because abiding in Jesus, it starts with he and I. But if I truly, genuine spend time abiding with Christ, it never leaves about just him and I. After I've spent time abiding in Christ, somehow it turns into my love for those around me. Jesus said the whole, all of scripture can be summed up in two commands, right? Love God, love others. It's not just about loving God. When I abide with Christ, it is first and foremost all about my love relationship with him. But somehow, if I'm truly spending the time I'm supposed to in his presence abiding with him, somehow there's something imparted to me to love those around me better than I was before. So I'll say it as an encouragement and a challenge. Those who love well, abide well. If you're having a really hard time loving someone, you're probably having a hard time abiding with Christ. Hmm. All right, let's, let's quickly just go through the rest of the rest of the verses, and I'll just let God speak through his, I won't stop. We'll just let God speak through, the, through his word. We're on verse 14, is that where we're at? And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Who? Okay, I said I wasn't going to stop, but I've got to stop. Do you know and believe the love that God has for you? Is there more for it to know? Can you believe more in God's love? I'm just saying, man, I say I do know and I do believe in God's love for me, but I want more of it. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of the judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Hmm. 
I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking something to you afresh and new, right? We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My prayer is that I didn't just share things, my own testimony, and that's it. I'm praying and believing that somehow what I shared becomes your testimony, that these words become life to you. They become the sword of the Spirit in your hands, in your mouth. We're going to close worship, and I don't know if the worship team can come on up and um, I'll Nick figure out what song we're doing. Um, but we'll, we'll end the service, and there's some of you that maybe you got fed the Word of God this morning, and you know already what God's challenging you to do, and you're equipped by the Word of God to go out and do it. Great. There's some of you that maybe you're supposed to do something, an act. You need to manifest the love of God before you leave the room. I don't know what all that is. Take it before the Holy Spirit. Because you can't love God and not be loving people around you. We took communion. I want to be one with him. That's Jesus' prayer, is that we become one with him just as he's one with the Father. That's great. But it wasn't just, he wasn't praying that I would be, Ryan would become one. He was praying that the church would become one. The bride of Christ would become one. So I don't have a specific activation. You're supposed to go do this. You're supposed to go do that. But I do think you're supposed to do something. It's not just an encouraging word just to hear it and come in one ear, stay there for a second, and then go out. There has to be something put into action. Hmm. So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and I'm going to hand it off to Nick to figure out how to lead us into a last song and just maybe a time of response. Um, yeah, so God, we just come before you. We thank you for your words of truth, your words of life. God, that you love us, and we're encouraged that we can know your love more. God, I only love because you first loved me. I can only love someone to a greater degree as I'm filled with your love. I can't force myself just to be more kind without first receiving your love. So as we took communion today, God, I, I receive your forgiveness so that I can extend forgiveness. I, re I receive your approval and your honor and your love and your recognition so I can give that away to those around me. God, just as you love the world and you did something, you gave you laid down your life. You did something. So too, God, I, I want to do something. I love you, so I want to... Jesus, you said, if you love me, you'll obey me, meaning you'll do something. So I confess with my mouth, I love you, and I want to do something. I want to obey you. I want to walk in love. I want to express love. I want to manifest your love in my life in ways that are shocking to me, in ways that I know it's Holy Spirit, not just Ryan loving somebody. So Jesus, would you do both? Would you both fill us with your love and challenge us to go love someone else? In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
before we go into this song that we're about to sing, 